So it's been about two weeks since George Floyd's murder. And last week, the movement amplified, melanated voices happened, the muted movement. And I really believe this movement was a bit of a catalyst, not a bit of a catalyst, was a catalyst for some reflection in myself. I I hate to admit that potentially without this movement, I might not have done more research. You know, I at my core, I, I like to believe I'm woke and I'm I know I'm not racist, but I don't think that I fully understood my some of the racial bias that I I have without knowing. An example being, you know, one of the things after just three days of the movement of reflecting, depending on where I'm at, I might not always speak up if somebody says something, but I really want to change that. And one thing I realized in myself was that I've, you know, I've, I started an artist spotlight series. I love art. Art is a really big part of my life and my own personal story. And I feature a new artist every two weeks. And I think I started at the beginning of the year. I've featured 10 artists and I've only featured one artist of color. And the truth is, it's not because I'm only looking for artists that are white or not of color, but unfortunately, I think, I think the problem is people of color, black people are not being spotlighted the same way. So it's not because there's not so much talent, because I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to share a couple of artists that have blown me away and they're new freaking obsessions for me. So let's see, Lauren Pierce, check her out on Instagram. If you don't know how to find her, you can find it tagged on my, on my Instagram. Um, who else do we have here? Uh, Tawny Chapman, amazing amazing artist. She, she mixes photography with it's, it's mixed medium. I think it's, I don't know what actually, um, she's mixing it with. It's looks like paint of some sort. It's beautiful. And then new absolute obsession. I I'm obsessed is Dion Ivory. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She's a photographer and her photos are just absolutely incredible. But basically I've realized that, you know, people of color are just not being spotlighted the same way. So I, and I haven't tried actively to find art artists of color. And so I'm going to, I want to change that. I want to make sure that people of color and uh, are as equally represented in my artless artist spotlight series. And um, a same goes for my podcast. I realized that I think I, I, I didn't do the math super well because I have a mixture of solo podcasts, but I think I've interviewed about 55 designers. I want to say around five of which were people of color. So I want to do better. Um, I also want to just use this episode to share something that was really helpful to me, which was a video. And for you, it's going to just be the audio of the video uh, that explains systematic racism. And 
you know, I had heard of systematic racism and I thought I understood what it was, but I didn't, I did not understand how deep, how deep it goes. It's, it, it was really, really eye opening for me. So I want to share, I want to share that with you because I hope that it's going to help. It's a very simple explanation of what it is and what, why we need to make some systematic changes. Um, so that was actually act.tv that put this video out that created the video. And then I also want to just share Michael Che. I got this from Will Smith's Instagram where he explains Black Lives Matter and why the people, now this is not something I've, I've never responded to Black Lives Matter, but let's say you're somebody who responds to Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter. Have a listen to him explaining how ridiculous it is. And uh, the movement does not mean other lives don't matter. Anyway, um, I, I was originally going to post a full episode today. And then just now I just real I just decided this morning that I wasn't going to do that. And instead, you know, I don't have a huge platform. Um, and I've got a long way to go. But I want to share a couple of these key resources, these key pieces of content that help me understand things a little bit better. And if I can at least do that for, you know, the 700 to 800 people that I have in the audience of this podcast, then I feel like my voice has mattered. And I will say that I don't know exactly the right thing to say. And I, it's hard, you know, I, I wanted to post this. I wanted to say something, but I also want to be careful of, you know, I just want, I, I just don't always, I don't know what to say, but I know not saying anything is not the right answer. So with that, here is systematic racism explained, followed by Michael Che explaining Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement. This is Jamal. Jamal is a boy who lives in a poor neighborhood. He has a friend named Kevin who lives in a wealthy neighborhood. All of Jamal's neighbors are African-American, and all of Kevin's neighbors are white. Because Jamal's school district is mostly funded by property taxes, his school is not very well funded. His classrooms are overcrowded, his teachers are underpaid, and he doesn't have access to high-quality tutors or extracurricular activities. Kevin's school district is also funded by property taxes, so his school is very well funded. His classrooms are never crowded, his teachers are very well paid, and he has access to high-quality tutors and lots of extracurricular activities. Kevin and Jamal live only a few streets away from each other. So how come they're growing up in such different worlds with such different opportunities for success? The answer has to do with America's history of systemic racism. To understand it better, let's look at what life was like for Kevin and Jamal's grandparents. Decades after the Civil War, many government agencies started to draw maps dividing cities into sections that were either desirable or undesirable for investment. This practice was called redlining, and it usually blocked off entire black neighborhoods from access to private and public investment. Banks and insurance companies used these maps for decades to deny black people loans and other services based purely on race. Historically speaking, owning a home and getting a college education is the easiest way for an American family to build wealth. But when Jamal's grandparents wanted to buy a house, the banks refused because they lived in a neighborhood that was redlined. 
So Jamal's grandparents were not able to buy a home, and because colleges could prevent them from attending through legal segregation, their options for higher education were really scarce. Kevin's grandparents, on the other hand, got a low-interest loan to buy their first house and got accepted into a handful of top universities, which traditionally only accepted white students. This opened up a wealth of opportunities that they were able to pass on to their kids and grandkids. Even as late as the 1980s, an investigation into the Atlanta real estate market showed that banks were more willing to lend to low-income white families than to middle or upper-income African-American families. As a result, today, for every $100 of wealth held by a white family, black families have $5.04. A 2017 study confirms that redlining is still affecting home values in major cities like Chicago today. This explains how Kevin and Jamal inherited vastly different circumstances. Unfortunately, the story doesn't end there. A big part of systemic racism is implicit bias. These are prejudices in society that people are not aware that they have. Let's go back to Kevin and Jamal. Against all odds, Jamal manages to be the only student from his high school to get accepted into a great university. The same one that Kevin and his high school friends are attending. But after Kevin and Jamal both graduate, Jamal notices that his resume isn't drawing as much interest as Kevin's, even though they graduated from the same program with the exact same GPA. Unfortunately for Jamal, studies show that resumes with white-sounding names get twice as many callbacks as identical resumes with black-sounding names. Implicit bias is one of the reasons why the black unemployment rate is twice the rate of white unemployment, even among college graduates today. You can see evidence of systemic racism in every area of life. The disparities in family wealth, incarceration rates, political representation, and education are all examples of systemic racism. Unfortunately, the biggest challenge with systemic racism is that there's no single person or entity responsible for it, which makes it very hard to solve. So what can you do? The first thing you can do is work towards becoming more aware of your own implicit biases. What are some prejudices that you might hold that you're not aware of? Second, let's acknowledge that the consequences of slavery and Jim Crow laws are still affecting access to opportunity today. As a result, we should support systemic changes that create more equal opportunities for everyone. Increasing public school funding and making it independent from property taxes would be a great start so that poor and wealthy districts can receive equal access to resources. Systemic problems require systemic solutions. Luckily, we're all part of the system, which means that we all have a role to play in making it better. Peace. We can't agree on anything anymore. As a country, we just can't agree. We just fight about everything. We can't even agree on Black Lives Matter. That's a controversial statement. Black Lives Matter. Not matters more than you, just matters. <laughs> matters. Just matters. <laughs> That's where we're starting the negotiations. Matters. We can't agree on that shit. What the fuck is less than matters? Black lives exist. Can we say that? Can we say is that controversial? We always ask for the lowest common denominator. We ask for the lowest rights. Gays were fighting for equal rights. Equal rights. That, could you believe that's an actual stance you could have? You could be for equal rights? That means there's people out there saying, I think everybody should have the same rights as everyone else. And there's other people like, 
Nah, son, I disagree. <laughs> I just don't think so. Black people was fighting for civil rights, not even equal. <laughs> just civil. Can we get civil? Can we get, I'll take civil rights. Just be civil. Civil. Can we get civil? Turn the fucking hose off. Can we just get... <laughs> they don't tell you black lives don't matter. That's not what they say. That's not the argument. They hit you with that slick shit. Like, well, all lives matter. Really? Semantics? That would be like if your wife came up to you and was like, do you love me? And you were like, baby, I love everybody. What are you talking about? God's creatures. What are you saying? You're no different. Why do black people always have to get over shit so quickly? Thanks, black lady. <laughs> right? Why, why do we, why do we always got to get over shit? Every time we bring some shit up. Slavery. Oh, that was 400 years ago. Segregation. Oh, you, you guys got Black History Month out of it. Come on, be we gave you February. <laughs> Police shooting. That, that was two weeks. Come on, you still? Still? 9-11. <laughs> oh, never forget. <laughs> That's why this September I'm getting a t-shirt that says, All Buildings Matter. Let <laughs> me see how that works. <laughs> no? You want 